for agility's sake. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kyle Spitzley. Here today with me is Aaron Huttinga. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. Thanks, Kyle. Awesome. Hi, everybody. It's so excited to have you here to talk about Agile and your role and what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Well, um, I have been in software development now for, goodness gracious, uh, 12, 15 years, something like that, yeah. um, in various roles. I was a developer once upon a time. I've been a scrum master, and now I'm doing more coaching. So been involved in the space for quite a while. All right. So what's your, your focus area for uh, being a coach? Currently, my focus area with the Agile Transformation Office is as a product management coach. So helping people who are involved in the product development space learn some different tools and techniques to help them make better decisions around what it is that we're going to build and why. Okay. All right. Thank you for sharing that. So this is, uh, it sounds like you've been in, in the tech, technology space for I mean, over a decade, quite a while, and you were a developer at one time. That's super cool. The question I have is, when did you first get introduced to Agile? Because um, Agile is older than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first started in the development space, were you doing Agile or were you doing Waterfall? When I first started in development, I was very much doing Waterfall. Okay. Um, very linear projects, very, hey, we're going to build it, now we're going to test it, now we're going to throw it out to the people and we'll just hope and pray that they like it. (laughs) And um, so I was introduced to Agile. I worked for a uh, software development um, company and as a consultant. And I was introduced to it because a, a cohort of mine became a scrum master. And it was this really funny thing, like Scrum Master, what the heck is that? Yeah. And started learning more and more about it, got introduced to some of the practices, and they really made a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. it felt, um, this might sound a little funny, but it felt a little bit like coming home, right? Like it was like, mm. oh, things never felt quite right yeah. in the, the waterfall space to me. So it, it felt really good when we started thinking about things, being able to pivot and what do you think it, what do you think it is about the agile practices and kind of the mindset and culture that brings to the team that makes that feel like home uh, one of the things at least for me that that always felt kind of uncomfortable is that there was one or maybe two people that were that seemed to be solely responsible for the success of where the project went hmm. right you know developing requirements, making sure that we know what people need. And I think in the Agile space, it became so much more about team accountability, right? The whole team is involved in the decision of of whether or not we have enough information and how much effort it's going to be and committing to actually getting it done. And it just felt a lot, I don't know, felt a lot more like a family almost, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's teamwork. Right. Yeah. You're all you're all accountable for that goal. There isn't one general who's making the orders and, and barking commands and telling people right. where to go and what to do that is responsible for this. It's, it's a group of people working together. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. OK, so the the first question that I've been asking all of my guests is, is we keep saying we need this thing called agile. We need agility, whether it's from an organizational perspective or a business perspective or technology perspective. We need agile. Why? 
why do you, from your perspective, why do you think we need Agile? Yeah. I think one of the biggest reasons why Agile remains a thing, right? Agile's been around for a very long time, but I think why it continues to stay a popular framework is that when you're developing software, it's really difficult to know what your users want upfront. Mm-hmm. Half the time, they don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. And so, unless... That's true for me in most things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever know what I want until I see, try something. I think that's true for a lot of people. Yeah. But when you put something out to your users and they start giving you feedback on it, you want to be able to do something with it quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a, a long-term linear project, it's much more difficult to respond to that kind of feedback in a timely manner because there's deliverables you have to get out, right? right, regardless of what the feedback is. And so in order to stay relevant in a market where software changes exponentially fast, right, the technologies, the, the way that people interact with their devices and that sort of thing, in order to stay relevant, you have to be able to pivot. You mm. have to be able to take feedback you know, start in one place with a set of requirements and be able to morph along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. We've got, I mean, uh, as, a, as an organization, we've gotten better at adapting and doing those things. I mean, historically, I've been at Amway for over 10 years, and I've seen a lot of projects that go 18, 24 months, really long, before the product sees the light of day, before it gets into the hands of a customer and they give it feedback. Mm. And so you're way down uh, the the path of finishing that thing and having it quite polished so that when the customer does give you feedback, it's like, well, if I wanted to change that, I'd have to replumb the whole system, Mm. right? And I think about it as if I design a house and and use an architect to design this house that I think is going to be perfect, and then they start to build it and they get almost completely done with it and I go walk through and I'm like oh shoot this room isn't right like, there's a lot of stuff that has to be undone like you got to tear stuff apart there's right. lost cost and as the the person paying for that I'm like oh is it really worth that like that's a big investment mm-hmm. to, to, to have to fix that yeah, yeah. and we can avoid that problem if we're doing things iteratively mm-hmm. um, and getting that customer feedback sooner right right so with something like a house or with something like one of Amway's physical products, right? The nutrition products or the durable products. I mean, with with something physical or tangible like that, having a fairly solid plan up front makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because yep. with a house, once you have that foundation there, it's, yeah. it's, it's staying there. Staying there, <laughs> right? With a digital asset or a digital property, we have the ability to make changes really quickly. Now, it, you know, quickly is all relative, right, mm-hmm. depending on, yep. on where you're at and what you're trying to do. How deep of a change is it, yeah. Exactly, right. I mean, there's legacy systems that could take forever to redo. But the point is that there's a lot more flexibility with the options that we have. And so it doesn't make sense anymore than to have this larger linear project if you have the ability to make more adjustments along the way, right, or make changes in a little more timely fashion. Yeah. So now I want to clarify, are you saying that um, physical product development can't benefit from agile practices? No, I'm not saying that at okay. all. Okay, I think there's a lot of practices that could uh, benefit, that could help with that, mm-hmm. that physical product development process as well. However, it makes a lot of sense why to date, most of those projects have been linear, right? Yeah. And they've been, fairly successful because they they 
have to have fairly substantial foundations before they get in the yeah. hands of the users. And I think it's appropriate that there's parts of that delivery process that are very clear and very structured right. um, on, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I think about and it, you know putting ingredients together to make a meal, meal replacement bar, I'm not going to deliver a half-made meal replacement bar or a mix of ingredients to my customer and say, right. hey, try this. Right? Right. We, we might do prototypes or other things to get that user's feedback and use some human-centered design to uh, get some um, good feedback from the customers. But inside of some of the steps of that process, it has to be linear. Right. It's, in, it's supposed to be that way. So yep. well, this is a good, um, a, a good point because a lot of people like to think that you can do agile everywhere on everything or you can't do it anywhere on anything. Um, and that's two extremes, right? It's, it's two it very, is. very different extremes that are neither are true. Um, and so just for the, uh, the listener out there who struggles with where can I apply this and where can I not, it's not a one size fits all thing, mm, right? Agreed. Yeah. There's a, I'm totally forgetting the name of the, the structure, but there is a, a graphic that circulates around every so often that talks about, or that demonstrates where it makes the most sense to use a particular project methodology, hmm. depending on the complexity of the project. And some just do better in Agile. Some do better in Waterfall. It really just depends. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so, for for you, you've been in the technology space for a while, and you've been doing Agile for how long of that? So has it been five years, ten years? Yeah, I started on my Agile path, uh, it's probably been eight-ish years. Mm. What was your biggest aha moment in the beginning days? In the beginning days? Oh, goodness. I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. Um, I just picture you like, aha, I get it. (laughs) What was that moment? (laughs) I think for me, probably the biggest aha was um, when I became a scrum master, right? I think when I was just started in the development space in Agile, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going through the motions and, and that sort of thing. But when I became a scrum master and I had to learn how to help people understand what it was that we were trying to do, Right, and when you start actually talking about people and all of the different perspectives they bring to the table, you have to become really solid in what it is that you know. And I think for me, in in taking one of those roles, the, the aha was, wow, this is not nearly as simple, or it's I guess it's simple, but it's not nearly as easy as what some people mm-hmm. think it might be. Yeah, and I've actually heard from some of the leaders here at Amway, they've, they've said, well, why is this taking so long to get teams to be agile? Like, don't you just do it? Like, don't you just be agile? <laughs> well, it's not that simple, <laughs> right. even though it is simple, right? right. Inspect and adapt, yeah. get better. Um, and it, it's, it's funny, I just saw an article from an agile coach who's been doing this for a long time, and he was talking about the variety of the right ways, uh, the wrong ways to do agile. Like, there's lots of wrong ways to do it, but there is no one right way to do mm. it. And, and that's where I think most of us are looking for something we can just buy and say, that's the right thing to buy that works for us. And it isn't that easy to implement off the shelf. Right. It's not like you're going to wave the magic wand and the... the you're all of a sudden going to be agile, right? It's a mindset shift. And when you're talking about people, 
you're talking about change and people and change don't always mix. Oh yeah. And this is what you were talking about before we started, we were having a conversation about kind of the behavior change of people and, and why is this thing that's so simple, so hard to do Mm. when you share that story? Yeah. So, um, in working with a couple of teams the other day, there was a lot of uh, frustration going on in this particular meeting. We were in a lot of, um, kind of sideways conversation things weren't gelling the energy in the room got really strange and and uh, somebody in the meeting kind of piped up and said man everything that you're talking about seems so simple so why is this so hard (laughs) and it I think it was kind of an aha moment from a lot of people in the room that day and really the reality is that we all bring different perspectives as people. We all have different values as people. We all have different beliefs and experiences and and fears, right? And bringing all those things to the table is going to cause people to respond very differently. Mm-hmm. And just because it's a simple concept doesn't mean that people are all going to adopt it automatically right? because of those experiences and beliefs and so on. Mm-hmm. That's good. And there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of this is based on the relationships you have with the people around you and the, the trust and the, the credibility you have with people around you. And relationships can be messy. No. Like people's emotions are messy. <laughs> we're, we're messy beings. So, uh, all right. The, so the next question is, what about agile excites you? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. So how do you still get excited about it when you get out of bed in the morning? That's a great question. I think for me, uh, now that I am serving as a coach, I think the thing that gets me most excited is seeing other people's aha moments, Mm. right? Being able to shed some perspective or, you know, maybe give them a little reframing on what it is that they're experiencing. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and they're like, oh my gosh, okay, I totally get this Mm -hmm. now. Or... You know, my favorite as a scrum master, and even today, uh, my favorite ceremony within the the scrum framework is a retrospective. It's all about exploring the things that we're learning. You know, what are the things that aren't working and how can we make a difference? How can we change it? And as long as we approach it from a learning stance or a learning mindset, there's no limit to what it is that we can shift to. Yeah. And so helping people start to see that start to understand that we're not stuck inside a box uh, that we're not stuck inside a particular process we can make things better you know helping people find some modicum of satisfaction in their job right yeah that kind of make the experience better for them yeah Yeah. nobody wants to come to work and be like oh gosh i gotta do this again i gotta be around these people Yeah, I want to come to work and be excited and engaged and think I got to build something that's valuable to a customer. I want to show it to them and see them get excited about it. Right. That's the kind of stuff we want to get excited about at work. And so if we can create more of that. Absolutely. And the way that we work shouldn't be the thing that gets in the way. Yeah. Right? If we can make the way that we work easier, less friction, you know, that's when the creativity and the innovation and all the, the really awesome stuff that that we see in all of our technical advances mm. out there. That's when all that magic happens, yeah. right? When can, all the stuff is out of the way. Can you give an example of uh, the way that we work getting in the way? I got an example from Amway. One of the things that I've observed 
recently is that as people, we all interpret things very differently. Mm -hmm. And so um, because of my role in helping people make decisions or learn how to, to make better decisions, one of the things that I've noticed is that is that because we interpret things all differently, well, we, a handful of people may come to the table all talking about the same thing, but they're not really talking about the same thing. And they struggle to come to any kind of resolution. They'll come into a meeting and have a big discussion and, and leave still needing to have three or four more meetings in order to mm-hmm. make that happen. And it's because they're they're having a hard time getting past their own beliefs or their own values or whatever it is that's getting in the way of of moving forward and I think you know that's something that's really common because we're just we're just people yeah we have a unique perspective right unique experiences and beliefs exactly and so I think that's really prevalent uh, something that I've seen a lot here Mm -hmm. it's not unique to Amway by any means right you see that just about anywhere you go in most big organizations there's the meeting before the meeting then there's the meeting after the meeting and then there's the meeting to make the decision it's like (laughs) oh wow why is this so hard we spent so much time talking about this thing right Um, I think you know it reminds me of the book uh, Crucial Conversations where uh, a lot of the where we get caught up is we have a different um, understanding of what we're agreeing to. So it's an illusion of agreement Mm -hmm. and that we can look at this thing and talk about, or we can talk about this thing and think that it's the same thing. But then when we go to do it, so wait, oh, that's what you meant. Like when you said this, I thought it was something else. Right. And that causes a lot of that just delay and drags Mm -hmm. it out because we're, we're not getting to a shared understanding quickly. Um, So we we do got to get better at that. Yep. Thanks for sharing the example. Uh, So for, um, for the new person, the person who has very little experience in, in agile, what would be, what would you tell them? Like as they're getting into this journey and they're, they're not necessarily like resistant to the idea of agile, Mm -hmm. but just, Hey, I'm new to this. I don't know where to begin. What do I do? One of the best places to begin is to try and get into one of the classes that are offered by either the Scrum Alliance or Scrum.org or something that just at least exposes you to the concepts behind Scrum or the concepts behind Lean and Agile, the, you know, some framework that helps give you some kind of grounding. And once you have those concepts, you know, oftentimes we're not given the space to do some of this, but I, the, with the people that I've mentored in the past, I, I try and encourage them to go and watch, go and observe somebody else um, in a ceremony, for example. Go mm. and watch another team's retro or go and watch another team's, you know, stand up and observe what they're doing, right? What are the things that resonate with you? What are the things that don't resonate with you? There's so much to be learned about our own practices just by watching, and we don't do near enough of that, right? Just so getting getting out and, and checking out what other people are doing. Once you have done that, you have a little bo- bit more understanding of what you can do in your own practice. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of us don't know what we don't know, right? Yeah. So having somebody that can that you can just kind of bounce ideas off of right having a, yeah. some kind of mentor or somebody who's been around it for at least a little while can so be it's also further really ahead, helpful further ahead than you are on your journey right yeah it's like a buddy system yep mm-hmm. 
Uh, so this is a, it's, it's funny because on a different episode with a scrum master, uh, I asked what her favorite tool was as a scrum master, what she thought was the most kind of productive or the thing that made them brought the most value to the team. And she said it was retrospectives. Mm. And I, I hear, hear you say that a couple of times and you've got scrum master in your background. And, yeah. and so you obviously like the, the retrospective. So in your role as a coach in the product management space, mm-hmm. what do you find to be the most uh, valuable tool as a, as a product owner or a product manager? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, about, gosh, I would say about 18 months ago, two years ago, baby down, I was introduced to a tool called an impact map. And the more that I get to use this tool, the more that I'm exposed to it, the more that I teach it, I am just amazed at how much impact, pun intended, <laughs> it can have, right? Um, an impact map is really a, something that helps us organize our thoughts and it helps us create linear um, narratives around the decisions that we need to make, right? What are the outcomes that we're trying to get to? Um, what are the things that we can build that will lead us to those outcomes? And a lot of times what, what we'll do in the product development space is have a whole lot of really great ideas, but they all stay in our heads. And it's difficult then to create some conversation around well what are what is it we're really trying to accomplish Mm. what problems are we trying to solve and until you can kind of visualize where those are at it can be challenging to talk through so this impact map can really help you get all the thoughts out help you organize them and then you can go back through and say okay sanity check are all these thoughts ideas even good ones Mm -hmm. right what kinds of where where can we add more color, right? Hmm. Where do we get more supporting information? Until you have it out there in front yeah. of you, it can be really difficult to realize where there's a lot more opportunity for refinement. And it's, it's funny, I, I don't know if it's the recency effect or what, but just thinking about the conversation we just had about shared understanding mm. and bringing impact map um, to the table, like for the, the examples I've seen of impact maps, it can be a big web. Like it's a lot of information that is tied together and and showing you kind of the logic of how one thing affects another and solves that problem and gets the outcome you want. And I can only imagine if what we capture on the board or in a mind map as an impact map, if that's just the stuff we wrote down, how much more there is in people's heads mm. before we write that down. Like right. it's, it's no wonder we can't get a shared understanding because it's right. a web inside of all of our heads. And we're kind of probably tripping over each other as we kind of cross those wires mm-hmm. on, on the impact map, so to speak. And, and so getting that out on the table helps us really clarify what we're talking about and yeah. get to that shared understanding. It's interesting. I was in a meeting uh, a few weeks back where... Uh, the person who was running the meeting was presenting their impact map to their business stakeholders. And the the stakeholder that was attending the meeting, uh, that person was so appreciative of the thought that went into this map that was being presented. And they, they came to the person presenting and basically said, look, up until this point, we've been thinking about what we're going to build in terms of 
page views or in terms of how we're going to measure something, but not necessarily the outcome that we're trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. right? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What needle are we trying to move when it comes to the organization? And they were so appreciative of that fact alone that there was so much more thought put into Mm. the the thing that we were going to build there was a lot more confidence that that this thing was going to truly make a difference for the organization yeah and it's a lot of work like we went through one last week and we spent just a couple hours on it and it's tiring work i mean you could spend weeks putting something like that together but it's it's got depth and it's got real value and clarifying the problem and the outcomes and what things are going to move that needle absolutely i think your point of is it the right needle is very important because if if page views are what counts, just put kittens on the page. Right, you'll get traffic. Exactly, <laughs> that's all you need. It's cute little kittens. Uh, that's but that's not what we're going after, right? We're we're going after something else. So that's really good. All right, so we've got um, the one more question I have, and then we can kind of just um, I don't freestyle it however you want. Okay. Uh, we I'm not going to rap. That's that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, is there any any other topics that that you would want to share? with our audience, just from your experience as a a product owner or a coach or a scrum master, any of the above? I think the biggest thing is really about um, the mindsets, the mindset shift, right? Kind of going back to the idea of it's simple, but it's not easy. Hmm. Um, The mindset is really where it's at. Yes, we can run through the motions and we we can do all of the ceremonies and we can do these things, gather feedback and whatever else. But the the value is in being agile instead of doing agile. Mm-hmm. There's a graphic I saw some time ago that shows being agile, or I'm sorry, doing agile does not equal being agile. And that's so true mm-hmm. because in order to be agile, we need to be focused on the feedback and to be focused on the thing that the user really wants and to be able to make changes in what it is that that our investment means to us mm. you know what are the what are the shifts and decisions that we need to make in order to keep us going right ultimately yeah. we're in this for to make money how mm-hmm. do we do that right how do we help keep the organization alive and and all of that comes from being agile as opposed to doing agile yeah, and that's a, that's a tricky thing um, that it's hard to nail down. You know, when we say mindset, we say culture, and we use these words that are addressing right. a soft thing that's intangible. Right. It's really hard to, to say, well, how do you move that needle? Like, what do you do? And it's, it's funny because some people, they just get it, and other people, they don't. And then there's some people who have that conversion, and they're like, oh, I understand now. Yeah. You can see the change in them. Right. So if I'm, what if I'm on a team where I do get it, I've got that mindset, but my boss doesn't get it. What do I do? Mm, that's a tough question. Yeah. I don't expect you to have like, you don't have the perfect answer. <laughs> Come on. Um, that's but, a, yeah. That's a hard one, especially when we're talking about uplines, right? Mm-hmm. You want to believe that your upline has got your back and, and there's some kind of psychological safety there. But if they don't, have the same belief and understanding in how we're doing things, mm-hmm. you may not get the support that you're looking for. So that's a really tough. One. Yeah. Right. I think like in my experience, it's, you've got to get clear with, you know, your, if your upline doesn't agree with necessarily the, the way you're doing the work, 
it needs to be a question of results. Like, wh- what are we going after? What does what does my manager want? Mm-hmm. And the thing that I'm employed to go after and do, and does it really matter how I go about doing that if I get the results? I mean, right. with integrity, right, right obviously. Right. But um, but if, if I want to use agile practices, do I need my manager to agree to that? Like, do I need him or her to have the same understanding or the same buy-in to be able to employ some of those agile practices and get value from them? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like we're telling people that they need to go out and, you know, break some massive company policy. We're talking about thinking about how, how we accomplish things a little bit differently. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there's definitely something to be said for making it happen right it speaks for itself yeah it does the the results show it and and nobody would say um even the anti-agile folks that do exist nobody would say we don't want to improve we don't want to get better everyone would say yeah we want to and that's what this is about right Right. it's continuous improvement with some methodology and practice around it and uh i love it it excites me Mm. and i know it excites you too Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to working with you in the future. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, see you. All right, bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share it with others. To learn more about Amway's Agile journey, follow the hashtag AmwayAgile on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you're an employee, do that and search Amway Agile forward slash in your browser.